Okay. Why is this kid sitting on my lap? Doesn't his father have a groin? <laughs> By the way, uh, where are the kettles? Well, right after you left, they went out for cigarettes. And you let them go. You just let these people stick us with their kid. Oh my God, I've got another child. Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a woman? No man presents live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. It's the day before Halloween 2019. It is Mischief Night. What a better night to release this show. I mean, if we wanted to add a horror element to the Married Children podcast, this is surely the night to do it. Or we should just wait until Halloween to release this one. Because it is scary. Scary 7. And most people would call this moment the most horrifying moment of the Married with Children television show. But it is so good to be back in the nudie bar, my favorite place on earth. We've walked into this nudie bar many a time, and never did I think one day we'd be here. Or I knew we would, but it just happened so fast. I am just floored by how quickly this came. My name is Al, and guys, I am just so tired. Uh, it's been a long week. I need a cup of coffee before we start this thing. Uh, uh, Marcy, can you come over here? I need some milk for this coffee. <laughs> Ooh, I can't get milk out of those. <laughs> Thanks anyway, sweetie. <laughs> I'm Jamie. We're swingers. We're into swapping. Ooh. Hi, and this is Luigi. I'm filling in for Dan. And Alex, don't be put off by that. It doesn't have to be the traditional man-woman thing. Ooh. Uh, yeah, let's just get to the show. <laughs> Are you making those bobcat eyes at him while you're doing <laughs> saying that? <laughs> you know, so I, I have uh, two young kids, and um, there's this show that they started watching a couple of days ago. It's called Skylanders, and I heard a voice that sounded very familiar, and sure enough, it was Bobcat plays one of the um, dragons on that show. Thanks. Now I know what else not to watch. <laughs> Ooh, are you not a Bobcat fan? No, I'm not. Uh, really? really? Man. man, Police Academy, that's, you know, that's, yeah, that's man. Classic, classic film. Citizens on Patrol is my favorite one. Yep. Same here. I can't. I mean, I, if, if I was nostalgic about that stuff like you guys, it might be different, but... I'm not, so nothing I ever did see him in sells me on him. And I have this whole issue anyway that we'll get into with him, Sam Kennison, and what I grew up with knowing about him and stuff like that. So, But here we are. We are at the infamous Magnificent Seven episode, season seven, episode one, original air date, September 13th, of course, 1992. Uh, director... J- Jerry Cohen, writer Arthur Silver. You don't see him very often. Special guest stars Bobcat, Goldthwait, Linda Blair, 
Shane Sweet. <laughs> That's the kid Seven's name for real. Uh, and there's no picture of him on IMDb, believe it or not. Like, it's just that blank icon of a head and shoulders on IMDb. When Peg's five-year-old nephew, Seven, is abandoned at the Bundy doorstep by his loser parents, Peg and Al decide to keep him, much to their kid's dismay. Now, right off the bat, I never thought that deeply about Seven, but when I was younger or whatever, and maybe even in my 20s, and people would ask about him, they would say, why was he called Seven? And I always, I said, well, it's the seventh season, It's he's seven years old, and it's the seventh kid they had. But he, they're really so dumb, they think it's the seventh kid. And it, I was wrong. <laughs> like, for some reason, the kid's not seven years old. And there's like a big birthday coming up, and... I guess that's not going to be his seventh birthday either. I thought they tied everything together, but I guess not. I honestly thought he was older than five. Right. I mean, he yeah. seems older than five. but he seemed, Yeah, he seems like a seven-year-old to me. But... Yeah. Okay, he was born January 1986, so there's 92. So that's six years old, unless Jan- you, know, you hit January. And... Well, he was close to seven. Yeah, he's close, but... He's lean. He's mean. He's three feet, 11 inches of sheer terror. And starting two weeks from tonight, no! he's a Bundy. Hey, help me. Married with more children premieres two weeks from tonight. Look what the relatives left on the Bundy's doorstep. Daddy! It's the season premiere of Married with More Children, two weeks from tonight. Meet the only person in the world who actually wants to be a Bundy. Uncle Al, can I live here with you forever? Oh, God. I don't know. Get ready for a new generation of misery. <laughs> Married with more children. Season premiere two weeks from tonight. This episode starts off, the kids are sitting on the couch with blindfolds on, waiting for Peg's big surprise. Kelly wonders why she can still hear while wearing this mask. <laughs> Why can I still hear you with this mask on? Here we go. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you gotta love that. Just hang on, kids. Here it comes. <gasps> oh my god. An M&M. And I got a W and W. Now, remember that one episode where Al was like Rolling the M M&M and M on a pan and warming it up over the fire. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's all that came to mind when I saw these M and M's on plates. That's so funny. Well, then he was wasn't he trying to cut it with like a knife and fork? Yeah, yeah, and a, a napkin on his neck and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it was one of those nut ones. I don't think it was like a, a regular M M&M. and M. Oh, you're right. Like... It was a peanut M M&M, and M. Yeah. Yeah. He talked about the peanut, the warm peanut inside. Here's a good question. How would Kelly know to say W and W when it would just be a W because the M and M's don't say M and M. They just say M weird. You know, cause there's an old joke. Why doesn't Jesus like M and M or M and M's? Cause it's cause they keep falling through the holes in his hands. That's <laughs> <laughs> and there's another totally inappropriate one. <laughs> I'm going to, and for the audience's sake, I'm going to try to do a Dan laugh. yeah we missed dan he couldn't show up tonight that's a bummer for the first episode of season seven i was definitely dying to hear what he thought of this kid so maybe we'll get a uh we'll get him to call in and leave a thing like his review of the episode at the end of this one that way we can at least get some kind of a gauge of what he thought instead of just asking him next week 
Yeah, and you know, Alex had to go to the next bald guy on the list, so <laughs> that's why I'm on tonight. Yeah, I figured, hey, uh, he already knows his way here. He was here the last three weeks. Might as well have him in again. You know, if you guys left me in England, right? You know, I know I stiffed you on the Patreon uh, <laughs> tab, so <laughs> I figured I had to work. Instead of washing dishes, I'll do this podcast. Oh, it's a lot easier. We were going to have you sell shoes, but we figured that was too demeaning. <laughs> hey, wait a second. Why are you treating us so good? Yeah, Mom. Why'd you cook for us? Well, can't a mother show her love? Okay. I did it so you'd be in good moods when I told you that my relatives are coming for a visit. Oh, no. Not Zemus and Ida May. Oh, hush. They both wear clothes now. And they're not going to be any trouble to anyone. Out of all the relatives we've seen, somehow the kids immediately seem to know that it'll be Zemus and Ida May. I don't know how, but... Yeah, there have been other episodes. It's funny, whenever Peg's relatives come over, like, they seem to know. Um, I feel like when um, King Kong Bundy was showed up, I think that was in season one, like, they... Or maybe... They seem to have known that... Or was, was it that one? I feel one? like it was two, wasn't it? Season two? Oh, okay. Yeah, what, what, yeah you're right. It is yeah, all in the family. Last episode, I think. Yep. That's right. So, I mean, they seem to know whenever these relatives come over. So, uh, I think there's there's a lot of comedy in that. Right. Because, yeah, like, in other words, it's like the, the, the audience, we, the audience, are not in on the joke. And then all of a sudden they show up and then we sort of understand why the kids really hate them, including Buck. Yeah. Oh, God. That was brilliant, this one. Yeah, Buck is a highlight this week. It really is. It's, and, um, well, we'll get there when we get there. But he, uh, yeah. Yeah, one, it was weird, but yeah. <laughs> Al's intro to season seven is that he flushes a toilet and comes down the stairs and the audience is cheering. Guess you didn't tell dad your family was coming. Well, he never warns me when he is. <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe that? And Bud, the look on Bud's face is horrified. Well, that is immediately, one, that is really inappropriate to say to your son. Uh, But then that is immediately followed with Al saying to Kelly. God, I love Sundays. It's the one day of the week I get to sleep later than you, Peg. Saturday night I stay up extra, extra late. Eat an enormous amount of tacos to make absolutely sure there's no way in the world that when I wake up, you'll be next to me. You don't have to eat tacos for that, honey. <laughs> but I can't afford to take that chance, Pay. But when I know you're gone and I can finally slip out of my underwear and sleep safely naked as God intended. All oh, the sensations. Why, with mommy gone, I almost feel sexual. I'm like, why are you saying that to your daughter? Like, just it was just like one after the other, and I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. Now, I, I think the writers, you know, being this being the season opener, wanted to knock a few out of the park. So I, I think they wanted to get, you know, we the audience in that, you know, married with children mindset in September. So I mean, the the and and these were, I mean. For the lost episode, right, where, like, they talk about, you know, having sex and having videotaped, I mean, this was like, I mean, this is actually probably a little, has a lot more sexual innuendo than some of the stuff they did on that episode, if you think about it. Yeah, well, this guy wrote 
Desperately Seeking Miss October. He wrote The Dance Show. He wrote Top of the Heap, Magnificent Seven, Wedding Show, The Wedding Repercussions, and The Proposition. He wrote all those for Marrow Children, just those seven episodes. He's still working after he wrote Top of the Heap? <laughs> yeah, they invited him back. And then, not only is he still working, he, he was asked to come back from the same guy, uh, Ron Levitt, to write um, Unhappily Ever After. And he wrote... He he stayed in work even with the same people that he sabotaged. Yeah, well, it wasn't Stacy Lip or LL Fogo, that's for sure. Yeah, right. So um, Al smells the M and M on Kelly's breath and instantly knows that Peg's family is coming. So so far, I'm in board. W- I'm on board with everything that's gone on. I think it's all funny, all good material. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, nothing can ruin Sunday for me. Wait a minute. What's that? Open your mouth. It's an M&M. Oh, God, your family's coming. How much time do I have? Great Caesars, go stay here. And, and look, where does that come from? I mean, I, I know that we, you know, we've heard, I've heard that expression. I don't know if either of you know where that Great Caesars goes. comes from. It comes from... Perry White used to say this on the original Superman uh, TV show from the 1950s. Oh, wow. It was his favorite expletive. Great Caesar's Great Caesar's Ghost. Ghost. <laughs> well, uh, they have to make preparations for this family coming by, and one of them is hanging a sign on Buck that says, I am not for eating. Well, shouldn't we have a sign that, like that, too? <laughs> I would never wear that sign. Oh, God. You're so... What are you, Peg Bundy? (laughs) (laughs) Why'd you say that to a kid? (laughs) Fester. I would never wear this. Yeah, tell Fester that. Your cat. He doesn't care. Here, here. Everybody take one of these. If they move on you, smack them on the nose and say no. (laughs) Open up! We know you're in there! Then you hear that voice that says, Open up! We know you're in there! I don't know if that was really good or really bad. Thanks. I would have to be able to yell it out loud to really catch his thing, because I'm just, like, talking in my head voice, but if I was to yell it, it might be more, um, whatever it is that he does. They're like, ah! Like, I can't even do it. My voice is too deep. You I kind of sound like Grover. Near? <laughs> this guy, the reason I don't like him is because he basically, well, Sam Kennison believes he stole his act uh, with the whole yelling thing. I've heard that before. Yeah, when we did the um, two-parter It's a Bundy Full Life, I got into it a little bit, I think. Oh, okay. Makes sense. So, now, we get to this part where they open... Now, I guess the commercial comes on. So, they come back from commercial. Peg opens the door. And from the 4 minute 50 second mark, all the way to the 5 minute and 8 second mark, they're just awkwardly standing there. And he's doing that weird twitch face thing because they're just standing there, him and uh, Linda Blair. And they're waiting for the audience to stop applauding them. <laughs> so then Peg could say, Hi, uh, Zemus and Ida, man, you know, something like that. And then they come in, you know, they have to do their cue. So 
it's probably one of the longest so far that we've waited, right? Linda Blair and Bobcat. Now, I don't know if Linda Blair back then, if it would have been that, had she kind of fallen into obscurity at that point? I know uh, Repossessed was around that time. I, honestly, I didn't recognize her at that time. I mean, when I, Bobcat, I remember, I mean, I remember watching the episode. I had just started high school at that point. Uh, just a freshman in high school. I remember this episode very well. Um, I remember... Uh, you know, Bobcat, obviously, but Linda, I, I sort of didn't recognize. And then I think it was until a couple of years later, it's, it's, oh, it's Linda Blair. It's like, oh, of course. But, you know, obviously she was older than what I remembered her being. And so I think she was fairly obscure during this time period. That's kind of what I figured. I mean, let's see, she came back for, or she came, you know, she was working after The Exorcist, obviously. And then she did like Hell Night. So many horror fans would still know who she was but I still think she kind of fell into obscurity a little bit in the 80s and at least as far as I know like I don't remember her doing anything really mainstream I interviewed uh, Linda Blair back in 2013 I believe yeah because she talked about her dogs yeah and I was trying to talk about like more interesting things and she just wanted to basically get out that she was uh, doing something about rescuing dogs and stuff. And it, it became like a weird interview that is really known as one of my worst ones ever. I remember I was supposed to be there. Yeah. But I was I had rehearsals for vagina monologues. Oh, wow. Ooh. And oh. I couldn't I couldn't make the interview. I missed the interview. I remember seeing that uh, off Broadway. Um, and it was actually very traumatic for me. Because I'm sitting there and I'm listening to the women, you know, do their do the read the script, and finally the voice of the woman who was sitting up there hit me. It was Maria from Sesame Street. Yeah. Oh wow! It, it traumatized my five year old self. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> You're like not you too. You're not pure either. <laughs> what do you think about the Bundys having four or five conveniently rolled up newspapers just sitting on their coffee table? So that they could <laughs> bop these people with. Like, why would you have that? Like, did Peg roll those up? Is that what he meant by preparation? I, I would say it's probably one of the few times that Peg was a very good homemaker. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, she didn't seem surprised that he wanted, that he suggested that, you know, or, I mean, she took her newspaper. So maybe she did prep those. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's what he meant when he said, did you, because he said, did you prepare? She said, of course. So, and then he says, did you do the, take care of the dog? She says, yes. So those are two different things. So that could be one. Who knows? Little cousin. No. <laughs> Big boy. Don't even dream about it, Zenas. So where's the dog? <laughs> By the way, what's with that line? 
What do you do, tie it to your front porch to make sure you can find your way home? <laughs> no! It's for our youngest child. We believe in giving the boy a little freedom. That way, if he feels all cooped up in the Winnebago, he can gallop alongside of us down the highway. <laughs> Folks, meet little Seven! Well, why'd you pick that name? Because we had one, two, three, four, five, seven kids. <laughs> Say hi to your cousin. Oh, hello. Yeah, he talks about this kid, and then um, Seven is attached to a long leash, and he comes in the doorway. So we see this kid for the first time, and he said he is their sixth kid that they had. So they named them seven because they... We had one, two, three, four, five, seven kids. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and just don't give him the holy grenade of Antioch. <laughs> Is that the one who's going to give me money? Yeah, that's the rich one. Go bond with him. <laughs> I love you, you big lug. Yeah, I mean, which yeah, which really makes you wonder. I mean, think about it. You know, I mean, if if Al is rich at three twenty five an hour, it's like, what are these Wanker County people, you know, earning for a living? Well, look, they said the same thing uh, <laughs> when Peg went to Possum Boy's house and all that. So yeah, they think Al's rich because he's a professional. <laughs> this kid immediately extorts a dollar from Al. Give me money. <laughs> Do you know where your knee is? Yes, I do, so give me money. I do love the kid, though, when he's like, do you know where your foot is? And he's like, yes, I do. No, give me give me money. I mean, the, the kid, I have to say, is a good actor. That was his best line so far, yeah. Uh, kids, why don't you take little Seven upstairs? Come here, Seven. When Bud and Kelly go to take the kid upstairs... I, I was wishing it was so they could throw him out a high enough window. <laughs> oh, we'll take him up to Bud's room. Have you ever seen a rubber woman? <laughs> Isis is not rubber. She's breathable latex. <laughs> and she breaks just like a little girl. <laughs> <laughs> Breathable latex. And actually, this is a historic, uh, another one of those historic firsts. So this is the first time that we are introduced to Isis, where she is named. Named Isis, yeah. And of course, what a horrible choice these days. After 2001, it's like, oh, God. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking that, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, people have said, there are like memes like, first person... Um, Something about blowing up ISIS and Bud Bundy, something. I don't know. I forgot the meme, but there's some kind of meme about that. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I wish I could remember that. Maybe, 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 maybe someone will post that up on the Facebook page. I'd love to see that. Yeah, if anybody knows that meme, post it. So uh, the four of them, Peg, Al, and this new couple are sitting on the couch awkwardly. They have nothing to say to each other. Isn't this nice? <laughs> We're swingers. We're into swapping. <laughs> Al and Peg just have a look. Like, I thought Peg would be have a more horrified look. Peg was really behaving herself around her family. And if it's Peg's family, why would they have sex with her? Well, well it's from Wanker County. From Wanker County. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Where nothing says loving like marrying your cousin. I guess. <laughs> 
And apparently these people are in Georgia. So, thanks. (laughs) Hey, they make you look good. (laughs) But don't be put off. It doesn't have to be the traditional man-woman thing. And then he winks and kisses at Al and then puts his head on Al's shoulder. And Al sits there for all this. You'd think he would, like, burst up off the couch and go, all right, enough of this, you know. Maybe he had the same reaction he had when he said erotic massage at the gas station show and then the guy screeches and it's a guy in the car. (laughs) But no, Al behaved too. He just, you know. So (laughs) Peg already treats Seven great. She's feeding him while Bud and Kelly just sit there staring and have to perform the song Baby Faith while... Kelly stands behind Bud, pretending to be his arms, and uh, keeps slapping him in the face until he turns around and strangles her on the ground. <laughs> Hi, kids. Good to be home. Where did you disappear to? Well, I crawled under the doggy door when Zemus turned out the lights and said, let's exchange trousers. Is that your real nose? <laughs> And there, now now the cracks are beginning to show, and it's like, uh, okay. So this is the humor that we needed so badly. That's why you brought this kid on the show. <laughs> so, turns out Seven's parents went out for cigarettes. Peg is oblivious. Peg always seems super street smart and dumb in every other way. So, I'm really surprised. Maybe Peg just didn't care. Uh, I know she didn't, actually, but... She also, I mean, this is a kind of life-changing. You would think she'd like to discuss this or something. Since when does she care about anything as far as, like, how it's going to affect anybody else's life other than what she wants? Hmm. Ah, Peg, why is this kid sitting on my lap? Doesn't his father have a groin? (laughs) By the way, uh, where are the kettles? Well, right after you left, they went out for cigarettes. And you let them go. That has to be the dumbest move in history. Well, the second dumbest, the first dumbest had to be when I answered your phone call the day after we had sex. Hey, you just let these people stick us with their kid. Oh my God, I've got another child. Okay, I'm going to remove my hands. Please don't show them how upset you are. I thought it was really cute that Al covered Seven's ears when he said, when he was like, when she said that, and then his reaction, he immediately covered Seven's ears, and he's like, oh my God! Right, right. <laughs> but that was cute, you know? Yeah, but, but you know what? I mean, I, I do agree with you. I mean, it was very out of character for Peg. I mean, you know, she had two kids of her own children. It's like, you know, she didn't like... <laughs> Ever change Bud Bud's diaper, right? Or you know, or 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 uh, other than bleaching Kelly's hair, didn't do much for her. And it's like, why all of a sudden this this other you know human who you know really has no connection to her? Why does she want to you know be a mother to her now after you know, after all this? That very very strange and out of character. She doesn't want to do anything now. She wants to mother a kid that's not even hers. What about the things that Peg Bunny doesn't do? Cook, clean, vacuum, sew, knit, and parent. 
Right. Now suddenly she parents. Oh, maybe it's one of those she kind of realizes she was a crappy mother and now she wants she, to, she, she wants to make, a, make amends for it. Maybe. <laughs> and then, well, and she was excited about the baby last season. Well, that was a dream. That was, never mind. Damn. Well, that's what I was going to use for the argument that Peg, for some reason, in character, would be excited because when it was reality before this whole thing that happened to her, she was very excited and way into it. So that's the only thing that you could swallow now about her doing it now. You That would give her the pass. But I don't know. It just seems different when it's her own. I could see maybe she changes then, but not when it's a random kid someone's dropping off. I don't know. So uh, we didn't really talk about it, but so we're going to play a clip on the show about what is happening here with this kid. It's called the Oliver Syndrome. Cousin Oliver Syndrome. Yeah, Cousin Oliver Syndrome. Welcome to Vulture's Secret History of Television. Today's entry, Cousin Oliver Syndrome, filed under last-ditch efforts. Cousin Oliver Syndrome is when a TV series adds an adorable child into an aging show under laughably flimsy circumstances. It's usually a radiance ploy signaling a show is on its last legs. The name comes from the Brady Bunch, where a previously unmentioned cousin named Oliver abruptly joined the family in the show's fifth season. The in-show explanation? Some Brady relatives went on an archaeological dig in South America and left their little Oliver with the Bradys. He was supposed to bring some adorable youth back to an aging series. But instead, the show was canceled six episodes after he appeared. Gee, I'm sorry. I was just trying to help. <laughs> Cousin Oliver Syndrome took root in 1980s sitcoms, where live audiences provided predictable Pavlovian responses to newly introduced tykes. I love you too, Mama. Aww. Just a few examples. Different strokes introduced a child named Sam as Gary Coleman grew older. Family Ties shamelessly tried to recreate Alex P. Keaton in the form of a character named Andrew. And Raven Simone joined The Cosby Show in its sixth season as the other Huxtable children grew up and moved out. Cousin Oliver Syndrome did have some positive effects. It launched the career of a young Leonardo DiCaprio when he popped up as a cute homeless boy in the last seasons of Growing Pains. Well, looking at you makes my heart race. The trend even infected hour-long dramas. Allie McBeal added Allie's daughter Maddie in its last season, Buffy the Vampire Slayer suddenly added Buffy's sister Dawn in its last season on the WB, and Gilmore Girls shoehorned young April into its final years. Two factors killed Cousin Oliver Syndrome, the decrease in traditional multi-camera sitcoms and an increasingly savvy television audience that could detect and mock it. Without studio audiences to awe at the character's antics, and with those at home able to complain online, the days of Cousin Oliver clones were all but over by the 2010s. But its legacy lives on. Any genre that propelled DiCaprio from a nobody to king of the world can't be all bad. <laughs> Tune in next week for another entry in Vulture's secret history of television. I mean, well, you know, this was so popular back in the 80s. I mean, you know, for the 80s nuts, maybe like myself, uh, Jamie, you probably know a few of these. Remember, like, you know, they did it in Cosby shows, you know, obviously not the Cosby's. Uh, they did that with Raven Simone, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Growing, Growing Pains, Pains did it twice. Uh, they right. had Leonardo DiCaprio and Ashley Johnson right. come on the show. The Facts of Life. Remember mm-hmm. they added George at the end. Different Strokes with Sam. Uh, there were so many of them. And it was like, okay, you know, let's add a kid to this mix and have different storylines because, you know, the kids that we're dealing with now are older. So now you want to be able to deal with a dad and a mom dealing with a quote-unquote seven-year-old because, you know, now you have kid, you know, but at this point is, you know, I guess at the end of high school, early college. Yeah, yeah but 
19 years old, but why wouldn't a slew of now you could do a bunch of things with jobs and stuff in college and yeah well then you get things like saved by the bell the college years so you know they want to keep the same dynamic i mean hell all in the family did it in the 70s right yeah the little girl come on uh danielle brisboy right uh was it the actress's name she played the niece but this is like an anti-sitcom right exactly why, why if this is the anti-sitcom why are they using a sitcom tactic trope yeah I mean, Roseanne did it, too. She had a baby toward the end of the series. Yeah, what would that add, though? Like, has it ever added anything amazing? Like, when you look back at this seventh... ever. Never, right? Like, when you look back at this seventh thing, what jokes did we get out of this? But then you could also say, well, he was... It was neutered because this was, like, immediately hated on Married with Children. And I don't know how long it took them to start scaling back his presence, but... I believe it was rather quick, even though, like, you could look... Yes. Yeah, you could look at a, a far far in episode, though. Like, for example, um, yeah, Peggy and the Pirates, episode 18, he was here. So, he was here, but it really, he had no, nothing, no impact in a way, weird way, I don't know. So... Right, but, you know, but even, you know, but skipping ahead, you know, very briefly, you know, he maybe had at most a couple of minutes of screen time per episode, mm. other than maybe like the first, within the first, let's say, four or five episodes. But after that, it was very short um, um, snippets. I mean, the other thing I, I want to point out, um, you know, they call it Cousin Oliver Syndrome. This kid looked like Cousin Oliver without the glasses. <laughs> yeah, he kind of did. <laughs> Although I always thought Cousin Oliver looked like a baby John Denver. Yeah, you're right, yes. Or like a, a baby, like the kid from the Christmas story, Peter Billingsley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and in our interview, Marcy says season seven is where they jump the shark and basically points out this moment. And she says this was the worst idea ever. She said he did not fit in at all. He didn't jive with the, the whole vibe of the show. She said nothing was good about him. She goes, he's a sweet kid, but... Like, she even tried to be nice about it, but she was like, yeah, nothing. Yeah, and actually, I, I feel kind of bad for him, you know, for Shane I was Sweet, just the about actor. to say you know? that, yeah. It's like, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, now, David Faustino, when the show started, was, you know, what was he, about maybe 11 years old, I'm going to say? 11, 12? You know, so here it is, a kid much younger. And, you know, think about, you know, the dialogue that you have there. Now, mind you, it's like you have a seven-year-old and you have to say jokes, a lot of jokes with sexual innuendo. Right. So it's like, how did you deal with that with a seven-year-old? You know? Well, how did you deal with it? Look what Bud does right in this kid's face with the magazine. Like, yeah, like I don't even know why this kid's here, but okay, let's keep going. So, so um, Seven basically tortured Buck earlier by playing doctor, and now he wants to play dentist with a crowbar and a toolbox. So, like, it's that is like crazy. Then his next suggestion is to throw rocks at cars. Now, listen, th- th- all this juvenile stuff is funny to me, I guess, but I don't know. It seems kind of sadistic to do what he does to dogs, and then I don't. Now that I'm an adult. The, li- the last thing I think is funny is a kid throwing rocks at my truck. Uh, so it's hard for me to laugh now, but I'm sure I thought that was funny when I was a kid. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, that's really funny. What is it, Peg? Oh, it's just the love. Oh, Al, I have 
to keep him. This boy needs a mother, and I am a born mommy. Can I go throw rocks at cars? <laughs> sure, honey. <laughs> Just look both ways before throwing. <laughs> well, hey, aren't you a cute little guy? Which car is yours? <laughs> that pretty blue one. <laughs> so where are his parents? Oh, they went out for cigarettes. Oh, the old cigarette ploy. They stuck you with their kid and they're never coming back. <laughs> so what are you going to name this one? Financial Burden the Third? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I've used that line a lot of times whenever you know someone's come to me with like this look of fear. It's like, oh my god, my wife is pregnant again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had it thrown at me as well, but I don't have three. I just have two. <laughs> Peggy, I envy you. A new child, and you didn't even have to touch that man to get it. <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't be happier. Of course, Al will have to get another job. And it may be tough on Bud and Kelly, you know, with not enough love to go around and all. <laughs> but I don't really see any downside for me. Gee, Al, another child. What a blessing. It shouldn't be much of a strain on your salary, which couldn't support a family of goats in the mountains of Paraguay. They always, like, name these weird places, so that's a place that's surrounded by Bolivia, Brazil, and Argentina. It's just in the mountains somewhere, so. And Alex, you know, just real quick, you know, there's a continuity issue here that I just wanted to make sure we um, <laughs> um, discuss briefly. So uh, Jefferson talks about, you know, the his car. Now, didn't he have to sell his car in order to go to England? Yeah, but even that was... Um... That was a weird continuity because he says he got that car for sexual favors. Now, we know that him and Marcy got matching cars because he played good stock market. He got good tips or whatever in the stock market, and they both bought a car, like two $60,000 cars or whatever. So if we really try to make this all make sense, which sometimes people hate that we do, you'd have to say – well, those two cars are something they did, and this other one may have been before or after that for sexual favors that he sold to get to England. So the blue one he has, we'd have to assume, is one of the ones he got from the stock market. All right. So if, if, the, if the one from, with, for the sexual favors was that from Marcy, we're assuming, because when he married her, he was broke. Right. So so I, I guess uh, you know Marcy makes a good uh, – could uh, coin to be able to afford all of this. Yeah, bank manager, <laughs> man. <laughs> but on the bright side, another child could be such a joy. Let's take the time to think of all the things that you can teach him. Well, I can't think of anything, can you? <laughs> so, um, Al gets up and, like, he's had enough of this ripping into, and he basically tells Marcy how she will never have children. Uh, now, Marcy, um, don't take this as an insult. You a parakeet in a flannel shirt. <laughs> but speaking as a friend, your body shows no signs of womanhood. <laughs> Obvious to me, you're barren. 
<laughs> and even if by some miracle you actually laid an egg and then hatched a child <laughs> and tried to breastfeed it, the kid would starve to death because it... <laughs> so let's face it, Marsh, there can't be enough milk in there for a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> this was amazing. This this was like top notch Al Tamarsi ripping man. Dan would say that he was savage. Oh yeah, he was brutal man. It, and I love how he gets up and gets all in her face to tell her all this. He's standing right in front of her. <laughs> he doesn't even just sit there and do all this. He gets up to tell her this. I love that. Marcy got a new haircut, too. She always does, man. She always has new hair. I think it's better. Yeah, it looks pretty good this season. Mine's longer than it, so that's kind of weird, but it uh, looks good. Hair envy. Yeah, he says that there can't be enough milk in her breast for a cup of coffee. <laughs> and all it takes is a squirt, so... <laughs> and I'm drinking coffee right now, and it... It is not Marcy flavored. <laughs> so, uh, having said that, with love, from one friend to another, I offer you the son you'll never have. Let me go get his clothes. Oh. Now, I, I couldn't possibly take anything from you. Instead, let me give you something. Ten fingers of death. I hate you! I hate you! I hate you! So Marcy literally chokes Al and screams, I hate you, I hate you. Now, do you guys think that this is already, like, um, art imitating life? Do you know, do you know, when, I should have asked her when exactly the two of them started bumping heads. I'm going to guess it was more around the time everything fell apart with, like, Moy and Levitt and when she began directing more and had more control. So maybe not yet. Maybe more like around eight, nine, ten. I think probably, yeah, probably maybe by the next season. Yeah, because I feel like Levin and Moy like they left around a little after this time, right? And I have breasts. Damn it! <laughs> she really does, Al. You just can't see him. <laughs> And the look on her face is amazing. Oh, my God. Savage. Savage. Yeah, it is unreal. Amanda Burse is a trooper, though, when you think about it, because, you know, we always give credit to these fat women. Like, you know, the whole joke. Okay, hi. Yeah, do you want to be on a show and you can be publicly ridiculed on national television for all to see on primetime? And then you get repeat syndication the rest of your life. Why? What about Marcy? I mean, to take this kind of onslaught is amazing, right? And she's a regular actor, cast member, main cast member. You know, yeah, and, and she I, really does have chicken legs. And no breasts. <laughs> yeah, for a chicken, she has no breasts. How weird is that? <laughs> well, you, you know what I will say is that, you know, for an actor, actress, you know, to be like the butt of jokes, usually those are the people who seem to get like typecast later, right? Like it's harder for them to get work. Like in other words, she developed a second career as a director. But but in terms of acting, you know, like I mean, like like think of some of the shows maybe before this where you had like someone who was like the um, the butt of the jokes. Maybe like let's say rerun, right? Right, right. <laughs> or um, 
was was Carlton from the uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air or something like that, mm-hmm. right? Like you know, like in other words, they were the butt of jokes, and then like they became typecast because they were the butt of jokes. So like in other words, if she got went in and wanted to do a dramatic part, I I doubt anyone would would look at her seriously because she was the butt of the joke. Right. Like I can see everything on you. Oh, you said that wasn't important. Well, I lied. So if she's claiming his penis is so small that you can't even see it, that is shocking to me because the whole thing is that how great he is in bed and how sexual they are. And like he was like, yeah, she's been on the tilt to world since, you know, 9, 8, 9 p.m., you know, all that stuff. And I, I don't want to think of Jefferson as a guy with microphallus or something like that. Like, I, I don't appreciate this joke. <laughs> I'll bet he didn't appreciate it either. And like he said, I thought you said that wasn't important to you. You not having a penis is not important. To, why? Why would she say? Well, of course she would say that, but th- that's her real life. She would say that. But I'm saying like her character, <laughs> her character. She wouldn't say that. <laughs> doing here with this guy <laughs> please stop with these dumb jokes i don't want this <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got your funny bone huh jamie <laughs> <laughs> apparently jefferson doesn't <laughs> <laughs> I, but i love when he goes can we go back to picking on al <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I mean, honestly, I this episode I think was very, very funny. It was solidly funny, and even with the whole kid thing being introduced at this point, you don't necessarily realize you're in for it for the whole season. So, um, so you don't know to panic about it yet, and it's just a funny episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it it was very funny. Wait a second. Can we go back to picking on Al? You're right, honey. So, Daddy No Bucks, where's the new kid gonna sleep? So that's the real story of the breakup of me and Cindy Crawford. Well, Seven has to sleep somewhere, so it turns out he's sleeping in Bud's bed with him. Bud puts him to sleep with a boring story about how he fake-dated Cindy Crawford or something. For those of you who never heard that name, if you're like 20, I guess, she was a really super hot, popular model in the 80s and early 90s, super early 90s. And uh, she was like, saying Cindy Crawford is like saying um, Pamela Anderson for like the next 10 years, and then... You know, we've gone over this a couple of times, like saying um, Angelina Jolie for some people. I never saw her attractive as attractive, but, you know, it's like one of those types of people. But she was like a model. Still is, I think. Yeah. Right? And, and, and she hasn't aged. Right. Yeah, she's like, they froze her face, boy. Well, she's hawking her skin cream on late night television. So, yeah. You know, you're not that interesting either. <laughs> and now we put me to sleep. 
Bud is seven in bed laying next to him, and I guess you could say, well, the kid's asleep, so Bud goes and pulls out a, a smut magazine. Now, I try to pause it. It's almost impossible to catch what the name of this magazine is, but I think I got it, and I think it's called Jugs O'Plenty. <laughs> Because <laughs> I, I, I saw jugs. I know I saw jugs. Yeah, I mean, because that makes sense because it's nothing but jugs, right? Like no faces or anything. Right. Just just <laughs> boobs. But the centerfold had a – the lady had a bikini on, so that was kind of weird for a centerfold. Well, I mean, if you think about it, if, if let's say you're the law, right, <laughs> the, the police, I mean, are you really going to have a true – centerfold with a seven-year-old kid next to you oh well i mean i just thought he would face it in a way that we couldn't see what was on it you know yeah maybe bad acting job (laughs) right i guess if you want to show us what's on the centerfold yeah you got to have a bikini sure don't mind me bud i just came in to say good night good night yeah thanks (laughs) (laughs) kush 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 my little man mommy he bored me (laughs) How about a nice little lullaby? Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. Hush, little baby, don't you cry. Bud'll be gone soon, so kiss him goodbye. And if Bud won't leave on his own, I'll throw him out. And then it'll just be me and you, and I'll cook for you and everything. Mom, so nice. Mom. He's sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> and that was great. Yeah, and, and you know, one of the things she says in that level of buy is that she'll cook for him. Who is this woman? <laughs> I don't know. She's a whole nother person now with this kid. I guess I just got carried away. <laughs> it's so hard to leave this little guy. Good night. Good night, Mom. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, okay, asshole. I'm here for the kid now. You know, like, <laughs> it's great. Hooters. Hooters, come out and play. But I have to ask you a question. You have waited 19 years for someone to get in bed with you. Tell me, is it everything you'd hoped for? No, I'm just teasing you, you little emotionally arrested smurf. Brought you a little present. Now that you're sharing your bachelor pad with seven, I wanted to give you something to decorate your room. A little eye candy for the both of you. There you go, college man. Wags the perplexed pup. Cartoon cutie. Well, as if I had to tell you. Kelly gave Bud a poster of Wags the perplexed pup, which is like a cute cartoon chick with dog tail and ears. I think they tried. They wanted to come up with something cute. Like, in, in other words, it's like like Bud is this you know confused you know nineteen year old, mm-hmm. and you know here here's a um, effectively almost like some kind of pornographic cartoon, and he's turned on by it, right? And he's turned on by her, et cetera. So I think that's what it had to do. I love but then he says, "Hey, you know, it's a great place for a blossom calendar." Yeah. Right? <laughs> blossom, yeah, do the blossom dance. <laughs> God, she isn't bad, is she? God, look at my life. I don't get it. I'm so cute. What am I even doing home? I know I've got the bod. 
got the arms, chest, and even I can't keep my hands off my butt. (laughs) (laughs) So Bud goes in the mirror and starts reevaluating his body. Now, Jamie, as he does this, do you agree with him? You know, Bud is a guy, he's 19, you know, now, and you could picture yourself being 19 again. Would you date him based on his looks? I, I know he's like an ugly troll for the show, but the reality is he's okay, right? No, I actually, at the time, because we, we're the same age, he and I, like, er, and at the time, I thought he was cute. When I would watch the show, I thought he was cute. So, yeah, I mean, I'd have gone out with him. It's always one of those things where, like, when Kelly always said how ugly and dateless and loser and all that stuff and pimples all over his face, it was almost like theater of the mind. Like, remember how we had that big debate about if Steve was really going bald in the episode where him and Al were trying to get hair growing back on their head again? Mm-hmm. And it was like, Steve's not losing his hair. Why Why is he acting like he's going bald? Al's the one who should be doing all this stuff. Yeah. The, that's what basically is going on with Bud this whole time, because he's not really that ugly. Absolutely. You know, it, it's like the, this one guy uh, I work with, like he's he has like a small bald spot. He says, oh, man, I'm bald, I'm bald. And I'm like, you know, take a look at Kojak over here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Anyway, I couldn't bear to be away from this little guy. I'm going to take him to bed with me. Uh, you do take that down when friends are over, don't you? (laughs) Well, at least I got some privacy. Hi, girls. Come to Papa. Well, no, yeah, Bud pulls out all these biggins like he's going to have a party. He's like, hey, girls, I'm back. You know, like, it's time. Like, I remember, remember when you were a kid and you pulled all your magazines out and it's like, all right, party time. Which girl? Who's the lucky girl tonight? You know, so it, that little few seconds was very reminiscent of my life, man. Don't mind me, son. Just avoiding your mother. <laughs> no. Hooters, absolutely no faces. Hoodish. Come on, Dad. Go to sleep. <laughs> but did you do this? <laughs> oh, God, look at my life. I'm sitting in my own son's wet spot. You know, the one that actually hit close to home for me was um, the line that says, I'm sitting in my own son's wet spot because... Oh. Yeah, I actually, Ooh. I actually have children, and you know, obviously, their their bodily functions occasionally don't, you know, <laughs> do what you want them to do. Yeah. So, I I found myself sit, sitting or lying in my own son's wet spots. So, oh. You know, I mean, as as an adult today, like you know, it sort of hit me. I was like, ah, I know what that feels like. So I actually sympathize with Al on that one. I love when he's like, "Did you do that?" <laughs> yeah, did you do that? He doesn't even think it's the kid. <laughs> I remember when I was like, like I was probably like 15 years old one time when I did that. I dreamed I was peeing, so I ended up doing it in real life. And then in the dream, I'm seeing it go into like a toilet, but then I start feeling warm, a sensation yep. around my pants, and I, then I just woke up and I was like, "Oh God, you gotta be kidding me!" You know, Alex, I have two sisters, and uh, my older sister uh, put my hand in a, uh, a basin an, uh, basin of ice water and let me do that when I was like probably like 15, 16 <laughs> years old. 
Although I got even, I told my mother, and then my sisters had to clean my bed, wash the sheets. Uh-huh. <laughs> nice. I don't get it. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> How could this be my fate? I should have married for money. Always had the bud. <laughs> the arms. God never made a nicer butt. <laughs> Now, this time, I, Jamie, I guess it's tougher for you to agree with this one, huh? Well, I don't know. Like, see, before I was looking at it from a teenage point of view. Now, I guess I could look at it from a now point of view because... You could date him now, yeah. Well, well, well Jamie, Jamie, he says, you know, God never made a nicer butt. So what's your opinion on that? I mean, I, I think he probably has. <laughs> you think, God, you think okay. God got around to that? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I can't live like this. But I'll tell you what I can do. I'm going to track down Seven's parents, and I'm going to get this house back to normal. And I want Wags hanging on my wall when I get back, son. <laughs> and he's going to get them and get things back to normal in the Bundy house, which is normal is not even good, but it's better than this. And I want Wags hanging on my wall when I get back, son. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wags. The Plurplex pup. So now the basically on the screen, they show a, it's like a big map. And you see this Dodge driving through middle America. Um, Al stops off at gas stations to hit the toilet bowls and stuff. (laughs) Al finds their trailer, smashes the door down. He is pissed. Um, This guy is in his underwear with his wife. I don't even know what they're doing. They're like putting on some weird... An underwear fashion show. Yeah. Yeah, it was like almost like the Merv Griffith show, you know, for underwear. (laughs) Welcome to our monthly underwear fashion show. <laughs> and now, here's supermodel Zemus wearing lovely blue hands. Yeah, it's what we needed to see. Bobcat Goldthwait in underpants. And again, Linda Blair has nothing to do. Talk about a waste of a cast, a good, like a... Yeah. You know, looking at her today, it's like, you know, it's almost like she was Botox with just like a big smile on her face, you know, for the two scenes that she's in. Right. Yeah. I I don't understand why uh, she had nothing to do here. Hi. Hi. I think we should talk. And then it cuts. So you don't know what conversation transpired here. See, I didn't memorize this episode because I obviously don't ever put it on. So I thought Al would have a conversation in that trailer, but then I saw the, how many minutes were left, and I knew that couldn't happen because I actually paused it, and it was 20 minutes already out of 22. Mm-hmm. So I knew this wouldn't happen, but I thought he was going to have a conversation like something about he would realize that the conditions that Seven would be living in would be horrible, and it would be a little more deep and more touching or something like that. I guess they just didn't do that, and instead of Al being like a, a savior to the kid. Instead, it was more about Al's love for Peg. Gee, I hope Daddy doesn't find your parents so you can stay with us forever. Me, too. Yeah, us, too. <laughs> he comes home. Hi, Al. Did you find his parents? And then they do the close-up sort of shot of Al... And you see the look on his face. You see what he's what's going through his mind. 
You see Peg smiling up at him, the kid happy. No. Couldn't find him. Basically, he couldn't bring himself to, to take away her newfound happiness. That's interesting because what I got out of it was exactly what you thought it was going to be. I mean, I just assumed that the conversation we didn't see involved him finding out that they would be crappy parents. And so he decided to to keep him for that reason. Is that what you think? Uh, maybe I missed... Well, I mean, I could have missed something as far as, like, facial expressions or something. Um, I, 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 would, I would say it's actually a combination of the two, I, I think. Oh, you know, maybe. I mean, I, mean I, I think that, you know, the, the writer sort of leaves it, and the director really leaves it to us to come to our own conclusion. But I think that those are both very, very valid. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, because look at the trailer they're living in. and Yeah. Uh, and now it doesn't even have a door. And where are their <laughs> other kids? Yeah, where's the other four kids? Or five kids? Right, yeah. They're just not there. You know, it, it, almost, it almost reminds me of, you know, I mean, during the England episodes, we talked about vacation, you know, European vacation. It almost reminds me of, like, Cousin Eddie in the vacation. <laughs> yes. Right? Because that's effectively what they were. Hey, Clark, would you mind the youngin shacking up with you? <laughs> we could use some alone time. Yeah. Um, what's her name? She, uh, um, Jane Krakowski, right? She plays the um, the daughter. Yeah. And it's like, uh, it's like, well, I'm like the best kisser. It's like, Daddy says, uh, yeah, Daddy says. So. Yeah, like, yeah, that was the worst. <laughs> Daddy says, I'm the best kisser. Oh, and, th- and and cousin Eddie's such a lovable guy in the Christmas one. So it's, I hate thinking back yeah. to that one though. And in Vegas too. I love Vegas vacation. I'm like one of the three people who love Vegas vacation. But he's like, I'm gonna get time to get the babysitter. He pulls out the bucket of rattlesnakes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's all interpretation, you know. Could who knows? I mean, listen, you you could be right, Jamie, because Alan come back with the two of them, so it's not like he saw Peg on the couch with seven. Then, I mean, then again, I guess we could have assumed he says, "I'm bringing this kid back here." You two better stay here or whatever. And then he went back and then he came to this conclusion. Like, it could go either way. So um, it's probably, like Luigi said, a nice combination. So we can keep him? I so. Daddy! <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, everybody, today was payday. <laughs> This is where they sell it to us, the audience. Number one, they sell it to us by this emotional thing. And we also feel bad about breaking the two of them up. We're supposed to feel bad when we see Peg happy. And then, by the way, everybody, today was payday. So then they, the, the music starts. Dun, 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 and then they all put their hand out. Yeah, including Buck. Which, that's what I was talking about. That is so cute how he keeps trying to grab for the money and but he's giving it to other people. Yeah. And then finally he gets around and then Buck puts his hand on his neck and then he hands him he hands Buck his and I'm just like, that is adorable. Yeah. And then Seven moves over so he can put his hand out. So now that's supposed to be presented to the audience. Well, so guys, Seven's put his hand out, they're all getting money, Al accepted this, so this is legit, and it's it's the change that we all want, right? Um, and it's like, 
well, I didn't really ask for that. Uh, okay. And you're just left at this point, like Jamie said, we don't really know how long this was. To, I mean, what, was this supposed to go on for like five more years? I don't know. Uh, I have no idea, I suppose, but... Um... Yeah, at the time, I imagine, because you know how it is. They're kind of like cartoons in that things that happen in, in particular episodes just don't seem to matter anymore when you get to the next episode. Um, like, it's like it's forgotten. Right. So, this could be... If I were watching this first run, I would probably just assume that it was either a temporary situation or a one-off thing until, you know, further notice. And then, you know, midway into the season, you're like, wait a minute. Right. It's like, are you still here? Still here. I I remember, uh, you know, at at the time, I was apoplectic because I was like, no, it's like they're adding someone else. You know, they've had a great formula, just, you know, the four of them. Like, why do you need a kid? Um, I wasn't happy with the change. Right. Uh, but you know, like yeah, looking, look, look, like anybody was right. You know, but looking at it objectively, um, you know, and and you know, and I, I obviously, if you're on Patreon, for those of you who are listening, I mean, I they had a great season six wrap up show, uh, which I uh, li- listened to, obviously. And uh, I, what I what I will say is, um, you know, even though this is the season that jumped the shark, quote unquote. I mean, there was still some great comedic writing. I mean, again, it, it didn't take away from it. I mean, I thought if you look at the episode as itself, like let's say this was, you know, this could have been another one of those dream episodes where in the next episode, you know, everyone forgets about right. what happened. I mean, it stands on its own. I mean, it's not terrible. No. It's not a terrible idea. But, you know, I also know having listened to this podcast for a long time, you know, we don't try to jump ahead. So right. uh, I won't taint anyone. But, you know, um, uh, what I will say is that I think they did struggle. I think the fan reaction to this um, was part, partly, you know, sort of killed Little Seven, um, you know, rightly or wrongly. Um, but um, the dynamic changed, and I also think the writers didn't know how to write him in because this is a show that has a lot of sexual innuendo. So what do you do with a seven-year-old? Right. <laughs> or however old he is, right? Yeah, five-year-old, right. Uh, yeah. Well, two bits of trivia. This is the first time we see Bud's bedroom ever. And um, Bobcat Goldthway is the third actor from the Police Academy movies to guest star on Mary with Children. The first was Bubba Smith in All Night Security Dude and later Dud Bowl. And the second was Tim Kazurinsky in God's Shoes. God's Shoes. Which is an episode that's not very good, but we did that already. If anybody wants to know when this tragedy actually happened in real life, it was August 21st, 1992 was the taping date. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if you want to look back to that day, August 21st, 1992. Yeah. And by the way, I want to make a shout out to Annabelle for uh, posting the trailer Facebook page if you haven't seen it already. Yeah, that trailer, man. It's one of those things where like when you're younger, it's like, oh, is that what we're doing now? Like, because you got to remember, you didn't have an outlet for your thoughts a lot. I know you said you did. You talked about it with people in school and everything. But a lot of my friends didn't really watch this show like that hardcore like I did. So they wouldn't even know what I was talking about. Like, oh, yeah, I heard something about that or whatever. They wouldn't even pay attention or really watch. So I didn't have an outlet for any of my thoughts. So I just had to think them while I was watching. And then when I walked away, that was probably the end of it. It's not like today. 
where like there are a lot of movies that I just took for granted that like in franchises that I like that aren't very good but I was like oh but it's it's a it's a Halloween or it's a Jason movie so whatever but now you it's different yeah, and Alex I even had uh, two of my teachers we used to talk about this that's great so you were able to bounce ideas and formulate thoughts differently because you had someone to do this with that's right and that's what the beauty of podcasting is like you get in-depth discussion about things you love that you'll never really talk about this way to anybody. This is the only place on earth you're going to hear married with children like this ever. Absolutely. And I recommend it to everyone. Subscribe to Patreon. <laughs> Let's keep this thing going. Yeah. Uh, thank you, man. Have I told you how much I love you? Yeah, right? <laughs> I love you guys so much. <laughs> <laughs> Time to rate this infamous episode called Magnificent Seven. So how many wags are you giving the perplexed pup for this episode, Luigi? I would give it three and a half wags, Alex. Hmm. I thought the uh, the jokes are excellent. I mean, I think really uh, tried to swing for the fences uh, and the jokes were very, very good. Um, I think the whole premise, I mean, again, taking even seven in it, I mean, I thought it, it was it was good standing on its own without looking at other episodes that came after it. So I, I thought it, it was it, it's OK. I mean, was it um, you know home run five? No, but uh, very close to a four. So I, that's why I gave it a three and a half. I think Dan, you know, since I'm imitation Dan today, I think that's what Dan would uh, rate this episode as. Yeah, we don't have to – we never fake our our uh, ratings or anything, but we don't have to – and we're not going to pretend that we hate every single episode this kid's on. So – Yeah, and, yeah, no, and, and what I mean is the premise of the kid. Right. I mean, obviously, not, nothing against Shane Sweet. It's just the premise of having this outsider, this young outsider into this ecosystem that we've grown so accustomed to for six seasons, going into season seven and now having you know this new – you know, new thing that, you know, is supposed to be part of this world. That's um, that's really what I discuss. It's not about whether this kid works overall. It's did he work during this episode? Correct. You know, like, did his presence add to this episode or not? That's all you can do. There's no point in rating, oh, I hate Seven and all that. It doesn't matter. The overall, we're doing individual episodes here. Well, yeah, because then you'll just be having the same rating for every yeah. show right. that season because right. it doesn't change. Yeah, yeah I, no, absolutely. And I will say, you know, he, um, I mean, he had some good lines. I mean, sort of like, you know, like, uh, it's like, oh, uh, do you know where my, you know where your knee is? Yes. He goes, give me money. He goes, yeah, <laughs> give me money. Yeah, like that was great. Uh, so yeah, okay. Nice rating. Jamie, how many wags are you giving the perplexed pup out of five for this episode i honestly am gonna go with a five what and I, I see i know i know um but i laughed out loud a lot i did it was very funny it was very well written and like i said at this point we don't really know what we're getting into uh, but all i can go on is the episode that we have and it was very funny. I had a really great time with it. I honestly think it was a better season opener than Will Follow the Sun, which I hated. <laughs> so 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> People are just jaw dropped just now. I think I know. I just you know I didn't like that episode. <laughs> uh yeah. Well, um it's funny because your rating mirrors sort of my thoughts on last year when I said that she's having my baby part one, I thought was a really strong episode. I mean, I'm not into baby humor hearing about babies or anything with babies, but they did a really good job of incorporating all baby kind of humor and gags into that episode. It was just perfect. So I, I get it. And, and you know, Jamie, what I will say, you know, on the um, season six review show, you did say that, uh, you know, the, the married with children podcast family is much more forgiving than the horror podcast people, right? <laughs> so I, I think that, you know, um, yeah. again, I think for all the joking that's been done about um, season seven, you know, I, I think that, you know, there's a fair amount of people that appreciate it. Because, again, it's the humor. I mean, you know, none of this is real. It's all about the jokes. It's all about, you know, having a good time and being able to laugh out loud. You know, and again, some I think some people will legitimately rate this a five, and it should be. You know, my opinion is it's 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 good, maybe not as great as some of like you know some of the other ones that I've seen. You know, because obviously I have all of these things memorized, <laughs> being a longtime fan. But um, yeah, again, not terrible. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm giving four wags to the perplexed pup. I thought the the writing was really good. Um. The only, like, really probably lame jokes when it comes to, like, you know, because you will have to separate and ask yourself every time. So these are the jokes that we needed, that you felt the show needed, so you brought this kid on. So when I see a joke like, is that your real nose, honk, honk, I'm just, like, staring, drooling at the TV. (laughs) And, And then, like... That's a really funny way to look at it. I hadn't thought of that, but... Yeah, right. And then, let's play... Hey, Buck, let's play Dennis with a crowbar and a toolbox. And I'm like, uh... Okay. That's the kind of stuff where I'm going to ask, well, why is he here for this? Oh, okay. So, I'm going to base it on that when I I rate these things. So, um, but I will say that every other joke of the kids work pretty well. His... Acting is not that great to me. There was a lot of lines that felt like he's memorizing words and saying them. But then there is a few natural moments. And it's the one that all three of us now have pointed out where he says, you know where your knee is, right? And he goes, yeah, give me money. Like, that felt really cute and real to me. Um, But that's not always the case. You know, so... Um, the rest of the writing was great. Great sexual innuendos. I didn't like the thing with Jefferson, but as as a joke, if I separate myself from the guy I like so much, then fine. It's, that was okay uh, that you can't even see his penis. It's so small or whatever. I love that you're offended for him. <laughs> oh, yeah. Big time. <laughs> you know, Alex, one thing I want to um, say is that um, if you ever watch the pilot of Married with Children when you had the two different kids – played you know uh, bud and kelly like you know what they said was you know the the kid who actually played bud was like blonde haired he actually had that page boy cut almost like cousin oliver um the reason why they they didn't like him was he didn't he wasn't too diabolical he didn't have this diabolical look to his uh, to him right david faustino had this look like you know it's like he like he swallowed the canary and that's the one thing i will say with this kid is that he does have that look like you know he could be evil 
But you know, but the thing was is that I don't think they could ever really develop it. Yeah, you know, he's got he's got the eye of the t- the eye of the tiger, but you know, we were never able to really see him be that you know that really diabolical kid because I don't think they could get away with it with a seven year old. Maybe with David Faustino as an eleven twelve year old is a different story. Right. I go back and forth with whether or not he has the look. I sometimes you see it in his eyes. He could he could put it on and. Other times he just looks too cute for the room. Then I'm like, yeah. yeah what, what, what would the word be? A, 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 a cherubic devil? <laughs> yeah, right. something like that. <laughs> hey, guys. I just wanted to uh, chime in here and add my two cents on the episode since I wasn't able to make it, which is very unfortunate because this was an episode. Uh, this is one of my favorite episodes, actually. Um yeah, right out of the gate when the kid comes in, um, I didn't know how that was going to play out. And then to find out Bobcat Goldwith and Linda Blair, I mean, come on. That, to me, was such a big surprise. Um, I was a little concerned at first because uh, Linda Blair didn't say much in the opening. And I was like, oh, that's kind of a waste. Good thing it came back later uh, in the trailer. And I just thought that they were excellent in it. It was such a great introduction to not only them as, you know, uh, the family members, but a great introduction to uh, the Bundys as well for the season opener. You know, um, I really feel like they, they're they in a groove now. Um, I, I really did love last season. There were so many standout episodes. But this one, right out of the gate, the season opener... I gotta say, it was it was straight fire. It was really, really, really good. Um, the jokes were so on point throughout. Uh, Marcy and Al's back and forth were just were just pitch perfect. Um, the whole thing with Al and Bud at the end with the magazines was great. Uh, and obviously, you know, the heartfelt uh, scene at the end where uh, Al doesn't send the kid back, you know, and we've talked about that before, and they're rare moments, but when they do pop up, um, they are very special, and uh, honestly, I, I like the kid in this episode, you know, I uh, I thought it was a nice addition, obviously, we've talked to death uh, why it didn't work out last season with, the with uh, with you know, having a kid, but um, I'm actually kind of glad that they, they chose to go this route, as of right now, as of, <laughs> as of, Episode one, that's how I feel. Maybe I'll feel differently, uh, you know, further down the road, further into the season. But, yeah, there were very few things I uh, I found wrong with this episode. It was absolutely perfect, in my opinion. So, five out of five from me. And, uh, yeah, sorry, guys, I couldn't make uh, the recording because it was a great episode. But I will see you on the next one. Well, that's that. We made it through the first one, so Dan should be back next week. Luigi, thanks again, man. Next week is a big episode. We have, it's called T-R-A something. Something spells tramp. Uh, When Kelly's date gives her an ultimatum, she finds herself stranded, but not alone, on a deserted road 15 miles outside Chicago. Meanwhile, Peg tries to put some spice back into her marriage by spending Saturday night communicating with Al. I think there's a big special guest star, but Jamie, do not look him up. Okay. I want you to be surprised. I won't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going I'm to go out on a limb, Jamie. It's going to be one of your favorite episodes of this season. Ooh. Oh, I'm excited now. <laughs>